Welcome to the Take Back Your Territory podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Wenland. I believe in doing work holistically, spirit, soul, and body, not just searching for the next thing to transform your outside. This is a faith-based podcast to inform you, encourage you, and set you on a path to walk in victory in every aspect of your life. Check out the book, Food Freedom, a faith-based holistic approach to shift you from defeat to victory over emotional eating over on Amazon. Head over to the website, takebackyourterritory.com for more information on coaching, to sign up for the Freedom Newsletter, download free printables, and read testimonials of those who have worked with me. Thank you for joining me today. Be well and be free. Hi friend, welcome to episode 138 of the Take Back Your Territory podcast. My name is Lindsay. Thank you so much for joining me today. We are talking about a myriad of different things today, um, and it will be summarized at the end. (laughs) I was going to bring this teaching to my food freedom group coaching, one of our freedom calls, but it seemed like this week we really needed to drive home um, the difference between emotional hunger and physical hunger and really working these things out, and so I decided to make this a podcast. I'm going to read um, a passage from the devotional that I read every morning or almost every morning from My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. And this passage is from April 10th. It is titled, Moral Decision About Sin. The scripture that is referenced here is Romans 6.6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should now not serve sin. And Oswald Chambers wrote, Co-crucifixion. Have I made this decision about sin that it must be killed right out of, of me? It takes a long time to come to a moral decision about sin, but it is the great moment in my life when I do decide that just as Jesus Christ died for the sin of the world, so sin must die out in me. Not be curbed or suppressed or counteracted, but crucified. No one can bring anyone else to this decision. We may be earnestly convinced and religiously convinced, but what we need to do is to come to the decision which Paul forces here. Haul yourself up. Take time alone with God. Make the moral decision and say, Lord, identify me with thy death until I know that sin is dead in me. Make the moral decision that sin in you must be put to death. It was not a divine anticipation on the part of Paul, but a very radical and definite experience. Am I prepared to let the Spirit of God search me until I know what the disposition of sin is, the thing that lusts against the Spirit of God in me? And if so, will I agree that God's verdict on that disposition of sin, that it should be identified with the death of Jesus? I cannot reckon myself dead, indeed, unto sin, 
unless I have been through this radical issue of will before God. Have I entered in the glorious privilege of being crucified with Christ until all that is left is the life of Christ in my flesh and blood? And he quotes, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. End quote. So as I was reading this devotional, a few things came up in me, and we are all working out our salvation with fear and trembling. The Holy Spirit is working out um, sin in all of our lives. And I heard some sermons, and I and I really just want to present this thing to you um, in the best way that I can, and I'm and I'm going to be thumbing back and forth in my journal and and in the Bible, of course. But the first thing that I want to talk about here is not sin. The first thing that I want to talk about is your identity. And the things that Paul talks about a lot in his letters in the New Testament is he talks about sonship. He talks about no longer being a slave to the law and no longer being under the law, no longer being dead in our trespasses, but alive in Christ. The first thing that had to be made apparent and that I had to become aware with in my own walk with Christ was that God himself, because I accepted Christ into my life, that he no longer saw me as a sinful, shameful person. That what it actually means to be in Christ is that when God looks at us, that he no longer sees our sin upon us, but he sees what his son, his perfect son, did on the cross and that our sins have been washed away. That we are no longer stained with the crimson of sin, but we are washed as white as snow. And in order for me to even start working alongside the Holy Spirit and actually be able to take off this sin nature and allow him to work in me, the first thing that I needed to understand was that God is not mad at me. <laughs> that he, he loves me. As, as Jesus said in John 17, that we would understand, you and I, his disciples, his followers, that we would understand that God loves us just as he loved and loves Jesus. And we know that John 3.16 scripture of, so God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And when we can make that scripture personal to us, so God so loved me that he gave his one and only son, that I should not perish but have eternal life. When we make God personal, when we understand what it actually means to be in Christ, and that we can go to the throne, that we can go to the Father of heaven, the creator of heaven and earth, that Christ tore that veil, that he, it is his cleanliness that made us clean. When we finally understand that, and when we finally understand the grace and the mercy in that, then we can start to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. Because what will happen when God starts to convince us of things in his kingdom and convince us of things in his word 
and convict us of sin in our lives or things that, you know, need to be crucified or need to go away, you know, in the process of working out our salvation with fear and trembling. The enemy is right there. And we also have these perceptions and preconceived notions and projections in our own minds that maybe we weren't disciplined correctly as children. Maybe we were punished and not disciplined. Maybe our behavior was a problem, but we weren't disciplined. And the word discipline is obviously to be a disciple, but it also means to be a learner, to be a student, to be someone who is submitted. And when if we didn't feel safe to submit to authority, then of course we go into rebellion, right? Um, but then we also have a fear of punishment. And we know it says in the word that, you know, there is no fear in punishment. There's no torment in, in punishment, but perfect love casts out this torment. Perfect, perfected love casts out this fear. But again, that points back to our identity. Do we know who we are? Do we know whose we are? And do we know what God says about us? And I believe that that's the difference between being a slave of God, a slave to God, a slave to sin, a slave to religion, a slave to even the flesh, a slave to our own perceptions of God, or being in sonship, or actually knowing that I'm a son, I'm a daughter, I'm an heir, I'm a co-heir with Christ. We have to understand um, in one of the five pillars in what I do here, Take Back Your Territory, I'll just tell you the five really quick. It's the Word of God, prayer, identity with Christ, intimacy with the Father, and being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Those are the five things that I, boom, that's what I'm centered on here. And our identity, who we think we are, and who we know ourselves to be will bleed into everything. It will bleed into our spirit, our soul, our body, our choices, the way we spend our money, how we treat people in relationships. And when we grow in our identity, then everything else will grow. So, you know, what I do in food freedom is, is food is an afterthought. I really wish I could call it something different. <laughs> food is completely, completely the afterthought. It is a healing internal work that we do and the work that we do is uncovering our identity uncovering false notions uncovering false prophecies uncovering false identities and false personalities that the world and life and pain and experience have placed upon us and we think it's about the food but it's not once you grow in your identity you will be able to grow in everything. You know, in Genesis, when God created and he put us in the garden, he said rule and dominate and have authority over all of the creeping things and, and all of the animals and all of the things of the earth, right? We even have the enemy, Satan, under our feet. And we tread on scorpions and lions and the adder. All of creation knows who you are. Do you know who you are?
do you know that as a believer you are also a son that you have been adopted as it says in Romans that we get to call God Abba which is which is daddy Abba father in relationship to him we are sons and daughters we are priests we are friends we are also his bride And oftentimes, the perceptions, the personalities, and the identities that the world and sin and people and experience, what it wants to offer us is an identity. But our true identities, who we are in Christ, can be defined by three things who our Father is, what our Father thinks about us, and who the Father says we are. As children, having an earthly Father, having a heavenly Father, that is where we get our identities from. It has been said in psychology even that children get their identities from their father and they get their confidence from their mother. And if we didn't have fathers growing up that trained us, maybe they tormented us, maybe they tortured us, maybe they abused us, we are going to maintain, or maybe even they ignored us, and and then just, you know, it was decided that we weren't their problem, and they had priorities over us. I don't know. Or maybe you had a great dad who was amazing. But we get our identities from our Father. It's, it's a spoken language and it's also an unspoken language. And a lot of times, you know, um, doing the ministry that I do outside of Take Back Your Territory and, and operating in, in healing and, and, and some a little bit of counseling and, and things with people and in and, and, and your prayer ministry, a lot of times what I see is the perceptions of, of the person that's in front of me, a 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80-year-old man or woman sitting in front of me, and the perceptions that they got from their parents formed and shaped them so dramatically that they have a hard time relating to God. They have a hard time believing that God is not criticizing them or chastising them or tormenting them with fear of punishment that God thinks good things about them. They have a very hard time receiving love from the Father. And I'll tell you, I was one of these people, and and I'm still working on this. But what we have to do in this is we have to activate our faith. Because as we get older and as the Holy Spirit works inside of us, what happens is that we have this chasm that forms between who we believe ourselves to be and who God says we are and who he, how he wants us to think and walk and operate and be. There's a chasm. It's, it's a great divide. And we have to begin activating our faith, reading the word, doing this by prayer, believing what the word of God says about us. 
that is higher, that it is higher than what the world says about us and what even we say about us and what, of course, our parents have said about us. And we have to start doing the work of removing these old banners from ourselves. If your banner was trauma or rejection or abandonment or unworthiness or unloved, if your banner was unseen or unwanted, if your banner was burden, if your I don't know what your banner was. I don't know what was written over you and formed your personality. I don't know exactly what your experience is, but God does and you do. And when we come into this banner of love that God writes and flies over our heads, this loved, wanted, secure, we have a hard time believing it. And I did record a podcast. I don't remember what number it is, but it is just because you think it doesn't make it true. There is a shifting that needs to happen in our minds. So Paul writes in Ephesians that we are to take off the old man, be renewed in the spirit of our minds, and put on the new man. The work that we do is in our minds. And I personally have seen in my own life and the people that I work with that once we know who we are and we shrug off the accusations of the enemy and we begin to remove these old banners that have said a false narrative, a false story about you and I, and we say, you know what? My father says that I'm loved. My father says that I'm secure. My father says that I can run to him in my time of need. My father says that he longs to be in relationship with me. And not only does he like me, or that not only does he love me, but he likes me. My father in heaven wants me to call him daddy. My father in heaven wants me to curl up on his lap. My father in heaven wants to hear about my bad day and also wants me to praise him. And, and be thankful, even in troubling times, even in harsh waters. And in order for us to come into that type of mentality, we have to start coming up against what is false. And we have to start using our mouths and we have to start fighting back. I was praying over a woman who I go to church with, and um, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and, and he's like, she needs to learn how to fight. <laughs> and you can't teach someone in five minutes how, how to fight, right? So I just started pushing her right shoulder. Just, just pushed it. And I'm like, what are you going to do? We were just standing face-to-face. She's a little bit taller than me. We're standing face-to-face, and I was just pushing her. I'm like, what are you going to do? Make me stop. What are you going to do? And she went, stop it. Like, just stop. I'm like, I'm not going to stop until you make me stop. And I just kept pushing her to, to get her to see that this is what the enemy does and that this is what even our experience does and to separate 
from all of this accusation and falseness. And I just kept pushing her shoulder, pushing her shoulder. And finally, I'm like, make me stop. And she took her right arm and she deflected my pushing. And as I went to push her again, she was ready and she deflected. And we did this over and over and over again. She didn't get loud. And sometimes I get loud. She didn't get feisty. She didn't start jumping up and down like I do. (laughs) She just deflected my arm. She didn't allow me to push her again. And I know for a fact that if I stood in front of her again today, and this was probably a month or six weeks ago, and I went to push her, her shoulder, she would deflect it. And this is what we need to do when these fiery darts of the enemy come after us. And this is what we need to do when we activate our faith, when all of these false narratives and false ideas and false perceptions and false personalities want to define us and continue to define us and continue to wave this flag over us. One of the most frustrating places that I get as a coach and as someone who's trying to help people is when people don't start standing up for themselves. They believe, oh, I need somebody to pray for me, which yes, we always need prayer, but they don't even pray for themselves. And they bring all their troubles, they bring all their confessions, they bring all their complaints to the table. And they say, I need prayer because all of this is going crazy. And somebody needs to step in and help. But the truth of the matter is, is that somebody already has Christ. And all of these things in your life that you're dealing with have already been taken care of. They've already been bought and paid for. And we need to do the hard and holy work of realizing this, remembering it, and start to fight back. And we do this with the words of our mouth. Because creation knows who you are. But do you know who you are? And sure, we started this podcast talking about sin and crucifying the flesh and all these things, and I'll get to that. But if you believe you're a victim to your circumstance, and if you believe you're a victim to the things that happened to you, and even a victim to your past... And you don't have the audacity to say, don't you know who I am? Don't, don't you know whose I am? Do you know who my father is? Do you see who's covering me right now? It's Jesus. Do you know what the word says about me? Do you know that I am seated at the right hand in Christ of the right hand of the throne of God in Christ Jesus? Do you see, enemy, that you're under my feet and that I have all authority over you to trample on serpents and to cast out demons? Do you see that authority? Because the truth of the matter is, is that the enemy is trying to make you believe that you're powerless and make you believe that you have no authority and make you believe that he's over you and he's going to taunt you and torment you and scare you And make you think that he's this big, giant Godzilla thing. 
but he's a cockroach. He's a cockroach. And what do I do to cockroaches? Well, there's none here in Wisconsin. But if there's a bug in my house that I don't want, I squish it. <laughs> if there's a gnat flying around my ear, I smack it. I don't let it take advantage of me and implant itself in my ear and have babies and take over. No, I squish it. I squash it. Because I know who I am. Because I'm at the top of the food chain. And I was created, as it says in the word, just like you, to have rulership, to have dominion over everything on this earth. Do you know who you are? I can tell you right now that the word of God says that you are more than a conqueror, that you are an overcomer in Christ. And it is your job to start believing it. It is your job to tell shame, to suck it, and to get out. It is your job to tell fear where it can go to the pit of hell. It is your job to tell torment. Oh, I'm feeling tormented here. I'm feeling afraid here. I'm feeling like God doesn't love me right here. But the truth of the matter is, is that he loves me. He loves me and he likes me. And so I'm going to come against this emotion. I'm going to come against this feeling. I'm going to come against shame. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to invade. God, help me. God, help me in my unbelief. God, show me what you see. God, help me say what you say. This is the work that we have to do. This is why reading your word is so vital. This is why knowing the difference between the voice of God and the voice of the enemy is necessary. If you believed all of these things in your head are you and they're true about you, please stop it. If they are contrary to what the word, what the word of God says about you, you need to take them captive. You need to say, that is not true for me. You need to throw them down and you need to take up the truth. The word contrary means what is opposite in nature or character. Diametrically or mutually opposed. What is contrary means to be complete opposite. It's an opposition. It's counter. The enemy is going to give you counterfeit. The Lord is going to give you truth. We must ask ourselves, is this contrary to who I am in Christ? This thought, is it contrary? Is it the opposite of what God says? We need to start investigating our thoughts. Is this making me feel like a victim? Have I picked up a fence? Am I in fear? Am I in shame? Well, none of these are from my father, so they must be from the father of lies, and so I pull them off of me. I shake the dust of these from my feet, and I walk on in freedom. Paul says that we are to throw off the weight and the sin that so easily entangles and to run with endurance the race set before us, 
fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So my question is, where are you looking? Are you fixing your eyes on Christ? Are you looking down at yourself? Are you looking down at your circumstances? Or are you looking up? Are you looking to heaven? Are you looking to kingdom? Are you looking to Christ? A lot of our problem is that we don't know who we are. We don't know whose we are. And, and when we figure those two things out, things get a lot easier. And sure, they're going to be tested and they're going to be put on trials. But when we're going after crucifying sin and coming out of sin and, and, and renewing our minds and taking off this old man, you have to know who you are and you have to know whose you are or you're going to be operating in your own strength. You're going to be striving and you're going to get tired and you're going to fail. And it's okay to fail because you'll learn. But when we can start operating in God, when we start coming out of the flesh and walking by the spirit and thinking heavenly thoughts and thinking kingdom thoughts rather than these other thoughts. This is where the magic happens. And I don't, I don't like saying magic, but this is the good stuff. So maybe the next podcast, I'll actually talk about starving ourselves starving ourselves of sin and, and, and sin dying out of us. But I think the object of this one is to figure out who you are and whose you are. And you can only do that and you should only do that by going to the author of you. You are the clay. He is the potter. You are the creation. He is the creator. And life has written a different narrative, has written a different story over you. But that doesn't mean that it's truth. That doesn't mean that it's kingdom. That doesn't mean that that was what God intended. It's not supposed to be like that. If you are struggling with fear and sin and shame and and just these feelings of, of army crawling through sludge. It's not supposed to be this way. Eagles don't flap. They soar. Jesus spiritually didn't climb mountains. He moved them by faith. And he told us to do the same. So if you want to take some time and you want to go deeper with this, I have a few things that you can do. And I'm seriously, like, like take, take your lunch break. Take, set aside like an hour today and, and do these things. Number one, identify your, your values, your morals. Identify who you truly are. It says in Philippians 4, 8, that we are to set our minds on what is 
true. Of course, it goes into what is honorable and noble and right and worthy of praise and excellent. But if we can get this is what's true about me and this is what's true about me and God, then the rest of those things are going to fall into place. So number one, identify your values and morals of who you truly are. Even in food freedom, I had to tell these people last week that the world and the enemy likes to accuse people with emotional eating or people that are overweight or whatever as being without discipline, without any self-discipline, without willpower, without... um, without discipline basically right we get words like fat and sloppy and gross and lazy we get all of these words spoken over us either by by people or the enemy but what research has found is that people with emotional eating disorders and and generally people that are well I'll, I'll just stick to emotional eating disorders because that's the research that I've done is that we are some of the most disciplined people and some of the most um, willing people to get right back up and try again. We are some of the most disciplined people out there. But we are also the most empathetic and feeling and understanding and cognizant of other people's feelings. And that's why we've thought it was a self-discipline thing. It was a willpower thing. It's not. It's an empathetic thing. It's a feelings thing. It's an emotions thing. And we just need to have boundaries. And we just need to stop going into self-harm. It sounds easier than, than it is. But understanding who you are. I am a self-disciplined person. I'm an empathetic, self-disciplined person. And when you can put that moral, when you can put that identity out in front of you and say, this is how God made me. I've talked to so many people that were like, I'm so disciplined in 90% of the other areas of my life. It's just this food thing. And it's only when this happens. Yep. We just got to, we just got to move the compass a little bit. We just got to change the game a little bit, flip some tables. So in identifying your values and morals of who you truly are, we need to take off What speaks the opposite of the word of God about you? So you need to do some research into this. And you need to say, God, what is true about me? Because I am a new creation in Christ, what does this new creation actually look like? What were the ingredients that you put into me at my creation, Lord? And number two, we pray. And this is a really big, scary prayer. And um, we need to pray it with the understanding that God is compassionate, that God is kind. And he will never lead us to do something that will hinder us or hinder our freedom or hinder our relationship with him. So we ask, search me. Oh, Lord, and where or what 
is in me that does not line up with your word. And we pull this from Psalm 139. So what is God asking me to stop, to start, to give up, to let go of, or to release to him? And number three, we answer why he wants me, why he wants you to stop this or to start this or to give this up. Ask why. God loves why. He loves to tell us the reasons behind why he's asking us to do these things or to stop doing these things. And the answer is can probably be summed up to be, it's for your good. It's for my glory and it's for your good. And then we can ask God, how does he want me to do this? How does he want me to pick this up? How does he want me to let this go? How does he want me to release this to him? What does this look like applied? Because we can get an answer from God. But there's always the question of, well, how am I supposed to do this? How many times have you Googled something for an answer about something? And then you're like, okay, but now how do I apply this? How do I do it? So we have to Google something again. Okay, now that I know that that's possible, how can I make this possible in my life? So we have to understand the application or the steps to actually do this. Number five, what does accountability look like in this? And accountability is a word that a lot of people don't like, but it is my most favorite word because when I know that the Lord is holding me accountable and I know that I'm holding myself accountable and I know that other people are holding me accountable to the things that I said that I will, will do and when I can do them, I feel so much better because I'm, I know that I'm on the right track. I know that I've taken what the Lord has told me I've learned what I need to do to apply it. And then I'm holding myself accountable and allowing other people to hold me accountable in this thing. So it could look like repeating a, a scripture out loud to yourself every single day and really taking on this identity of, you know, more than an overcomer in Christ Jesus. I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus or I am, this is what sonship looks like, or this is what being a daughter looks like. This is what being a bride looks like. This is what um, being loved looks like. What if the Lord is asking you to remove a banner of rejection and put on a banner of acceptance? And he says, well, this is how I want you to do it. I want you to repeat these scriptures. I want you to pray to me. I want you to come to me in your time of need, in your time of stress, rather than dissociating and doing something else. Okay, God, how are we going to hold me accountable in this? Maybe he wants you to start your morning with it or end your day with it or at your 3 p.m. break. I don't know. But accountability is beautiful. And then number six, answer. This is how I will walk this out, empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is really how we're applying things 
and we're not striving and that we're not taking on another thing that God is asking us to do. This is not a religion. This is not a ritual. This is a get to. This is an opportunity for growth and freedom. And you need to do this empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's going to look like boundaries. Boundaries around your time, your talents, your finances, your relationships, your home, your territory. It's going to look like boundaries. And boundaries are for your good. I think that's all that I have for today. I guess we're going to touch on this this crucifying the flesh thing later. <laughs> um, but I hope you have a great day. If you have any questions, if you want to email me, I am uh, my email is lindsay at takebackyourterritory.com. Uh, you can also send me a DM on social media, on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. I'm at takebackyourterritory. So until next time, be well, be free, and keep moving forward.